0: Hello and welcome to this UK Defence Club podcast. I'm Philippa Langton and I'm a Senior Claims Director at the Club. This podcast discusses the recent judgment of the English Commercial Court in Pizante versus Logothetis in relation to a Security for Costs application. The judgment provides useful guidance regarding the circumstances in which the court will award Security for Costs where claimants are domiciled out of the jurisdiction. So we thought we'd take this opportunity to remind members of the principles involved in seeking Security for Costs. In English Litigation, the usual principle is that the losing party pays its opponent's reasonable legal costs. If a defendant is concerned that the claimant may be unable to pay its costs of defending the claim if the claim fails, then it may apply to the court for an order that the claimant provides security for its potential costs liability by paying funds into court or providing a bond or guarantee. Aside from this offering protection and reassurance, it can also be exploited to place the claimant at a tactical disadvantage once its funds are tied up. A party applying for security for its costs will need to satisfy the court that its opponent will be unable to pay those costs. The court has a discretion to grant security based on factors listed in the Civil Procedure Rules, or CPR, which includes the jurisdiction of the claimant and its likely ability to meet a cost liability if required to do so. In the case of Pizante v Logothetis, the court provided some helpful guidance as to the principles that it will apply. In that case, four claimants brought claims alleging the defendants had induced them to enter into certain investments in the shipping market and they sought damages in the region of $14 million. The defendants brought an application under CPR 25.13 for security for costs. CPR 25.13 provides that an order for security for costs can be granted where it is just in all the circumstances of the case to make such an order and at least one of several conditions set out in the CPR is satisfied. Those conditions include the following. Condition A, that the claimant is resident outside of the jurisdiction, though not in certain contracting states. And I should mention here that the application in this case was made prior to changes to the CPR coming into force at the end of 2020 with the UK's withdrawal from the EU and that following Brexit, the reference to contracting states has changed, but the same principles remain applicable. And then Condition C states that there must be reason to believe that the claimant company will be unable to pay the defendant's costs if ordered to do so. Other conditions are listed in the CPR, but these are the main two that were considered in this case. So the application was made on the basis that all four claimants were resident outside the jurisdiction, but not in a state referred to in CPR 25.13.2a, and that there was reason to believe that they would be unable to pay the defendant's costs if ordered to do so. The claimants contended that the first claimant who divided his time between Greece and New York was resident in Greece, which was a contracting state. They accepted that the second to fourth claimants, who were resident in the BVI and the Marshall Islands, were not resident in the jurisdiction or in a jurisdiction referred to in subclause A, but they contended that any costs award would be enforceable in one of the listed jurisdictions. And that there was no real prospect that such an order would not be complied with. The judge granted the application. Whilst accepting that the first claimant was resident in Greece, he considered that there was a real risk of the claimant's assets being unavailable if the defendants sought to enforce a costs order. He gave important guidance of wider significance on a number of areas relevant to a security for costs application. So let's look at those in more detail now. Regarding split residency, The judge explained that where a party such as the first claimant splits his time between jurisdictions, one being a contracting state and one a non-contracting state, but he normally spends a significant part of his time living lawfully in the contracting state, then he is to be regarded as resident in the contracting state for the purposes of the security for cost principles. A second area of note is the issue of obstacles to enforcement. Where the residency condition is satisfied, it has been held that a court should not exercise its discretion to order security for costs unless it does so on the basis that there are obstacles to enforcement of any subsequent order for costs. This is the so-called NASA condition, named after the 2002 case of NASA versus United Bank of Kuwait. In Pisanti vs. Logothetis, the judge held that there was a real risk that suitable assets in a Convention State against which a costs order could readily be enforced would not be available if and when any such order were made, and accordingly the NASA condition was satisfied. In this respect, the following points are of particular interest. Firstly, significant weight was placed on the net position of the claimants. Evidence had only been adduced as to their assets, without any evidence provided as to their liabilities. This was an important factor in the court's conclusion that the NASA condition was satisfied. Secondly, the test is not just whether a party can pay at all, but whether a payment can be made within the time ordered, usually 14 or 28 days. There was real doubt about whether a residential house was a sufficiently liquid asset to be the subject of enforcement within a reasonable time, especially where it was inhabited by family members with interests in the property. Conversely, an investment portfolio owned by one claimant was thought to be a highly liquid asset which could be moved or sold easily and quickly, so as to be unavailable for enforcement. The judge concluded on the fact that there were a number of possible reasons, including legitimate ones, why this might occur. Another key factor was the fact that the BVI and Marshall Islands companies were incorporated in jurisdictions where there was little publicly available information as to their assets. This meant that in reality it would be difficult to locate assets of the companies against which an order for costs could be enforced. The judge concluded that the claimants had not been fully transparent in their presentation of their assets, commenting that they showed a lack of frankness. This factor counted against the claimants, especially where there were evidential gaps in their presentation of the case, and in particular regarding the claimant's net asset position. The judge also made findings as to the claimant's ability to pay the defendant's costs. I mentioned earlier that for condition C to apply, there must be reason to believe that the claimant will be unable to pay the defendant's costs if ordered to do so. The judge explained that there can be such reason to believe, even where some evidence about the assets has been provided, especially where such evidence is unsatisfactory. He also stated that there was no need to prove dishonesty to succeed on this ground. Overall, the claimant's lack of frankness, the gaps in their evidence and the fact that the sum of their assets could be moved provided sufficient grounds to conclude that they might not satisfy a cost's order. So what guidance can we take from this judgment? While the judge's decision rested in large part on the shortcomings of the evidence provided by the claimants. Future respondents to an application for security for costs will want to consider whether they have provided sufficient evidence of their liabilities, as well as of the extent and liquidity of their assets. Future applicants for security for costs will find this decision particularly helpful where they seek security against parties in jurisdictions where there is little information publicly available about their financial standing judgment suggests that the NASA condition may often be satisfied in such circumstances, unless the respondent can provide cogent evidence as to their asset position. I hope you found this podcast useful, and as always, members are welcome to get in touch with the club if you require any further advice in relation to the issues discussed today. Thank you for listening.